Descriptive, a podcast about JavaScript and other things. I'm your host, Khalil, and this is episode 7. I don't know, why don't you write a BitTorrent client? Okay, so today's guest is Matthias Boos. He is a mad scientist, a JavaScript and Node.js enthusiast, a hacker, JSConf EU speaker, and the de facto industry stream leader. Welcome to the show, Matthias. Hey, thanks. Yeah, I forgot I had the last part on there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was the best part, so I had to. Oh yeah. <laughs> I actually that's that's from. Uh... It's from a GitHub issue. Someone posted to me. Oh, okay, cool. Like he, he ended up replying, "Yeah, you are the de facto industry stream leader," and I was like, "Sure." Okay, I guess we'll have to come back to that. So I guess you you, you fixed some str some stream issues in some node module or something like that. I, th I think it's just like the percentage of modules that I have done that contains the word stream is probably quite high. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, cool. anyways. All yeah. right, so so let's start at the beginning. I always ask yeah. my first first question to everybody is basically, how did you get started with programming? So that's the question to you as well. Yeah, okay. So actually, um, I haven't been programming that long. I started programming in uh, in, in university, <clears throat> in university, uh, and uh, how long ago was that? It's like I think it's six years ago. Could be longer, but like mm -hmm. uh, when I've, I I uh, I studied math at university. Uh, and uh, one of the courses there was introduction to programming, and that's actually how I got started. And uh, that was in Java. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the cl classic, right, for universities. Yeah, mm -hmm. and like something that I find really interesting, uh, like now, is that I haven't I hadn't programmed before, so like Java was all I knew. So I actually had a blast coding Java. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because like I was learning about programming, right? Uh, so yeah. I, I I wrote so much Java, uh, <laughs> and I really liked it, and I. I, I don't like it that much anymore, but like I don't dislike it as much as other people do, I guess. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's that's how I got started. Uh, I tried to program a little bit when I was younger, but uh, I, I grew up in a like in the countryside of Denmark, so there wasn't really that much programming going on. Mm -hmm. I remember I, I I checked out a book at, uh, at the local library that was like uh, how to learn C plus plus or something. Uh, it was like a a 50-page pamphlet, and I didn't get any of it. It was like <laughs> all this. Yes, it was like uh, some. I think it was like something they tried to do to teach people. Uh, but I, like I tried, but just the whole thing that you had to compile something, and I had to install a compiler, and I didn't know what I was doing. Like I didn't know any of the concepts, uh, so I, I quickly gave up. Uh, but yeah, so so I, I started doing it at university, and I've been doing it ever since, I guess. Okay, so um, so I guess after so did you so you were studying math? Yeah. Okay, so did you, that one course, and then did you change majors and just went full on uh, uh, computer science? Or? Uh, so no, actually, so uh, I don't know how it is in like Germany and other countries, but in Denmark, the the, the math uh, line at university is very like it's it it can contain a lot of computer science. Mm -hmm. So what I what I did was did was. Since this was one of my first courses, I really, I still really like math, so I, I wasn't really ready to commit to computer science. I, I still wanted to be like a full-time mathematician, uh, so I just took all the programming I could get, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, I in my, I think it was in my third year, I, en I ended up switching uh, to computer science um, because you, uh, that was a possibility to, that you can just do that without uh, losing any. Uh, 
any time back then because the first part of the computer science studies and the first part of math is basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Uh, I dropped out like a month later, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so, but yeah. <laughs> okay, so you didn't finish. Yeah, yeah, I finished the I I, I finished the the bachelor. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. And someone asked me like I think it was yesterday if I finished my bachelor in math or computer science, and actually I couldn't remember. <laughs> uh, so I had to look it up, uh, and it turns out it was computer science. So I think I, I switched around there. Okay. So uh, what was the reason? Why did you drop out? Uh, a friend of mine started a uh, a startup, oh, uh, that's a and that reason. started to to take off and. Uh, I wanted to pursue that. So actually, I wasn't dropping out. I was just <laughs> taking a break, okay. <laughs> as, most, as most dropouts do, I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so, like, a year ago, I would probably have said I was going back at some point. Like, now I probably, I don't know yet. I don't know anymore. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. And what was that startup uh, doing? Uh, what it was, was it about? Uh, it, was, uh, it was actually a, a file-sharing startup. Uh, so uh, it was called get mm -hmm. um, so it was a site where you could uh, upload a f uh, some files and they would get shared in real time basically meaning that we built some web technology that allowed uh, files to be shared before they were fully uploaded so you like you, you get a link instantly and you can share that link and uh, someone could download the file and if the file wasn't uploaded to the server yet it would fetch it from the client through the server um, if that makes sense uh, hold on. So, so yeah, so basically, basically, like you had a we had, you had a website. You had a button there that was like upload some files. Uh -huh. You click on that button. You select you selected any number of files. It didn't really matter how big they were. So like for example, you could select a gigabyte of file, mm -hmm. and instantly you would get a link back saying uh, give this link to someone else, and he can download this right away. Mm -hmm. uh, so what it did was it started uploading the file in the background, but like using some web sockets and stuff, stuff like that. Uh, um, if somebody else visited your link and clicked on a file that wasn't uploaded yet, it, it would tell your client to start uploading and, and stream it through to the other guy. Oh, okay. So it was peer-to-peer -peer or...? No, actually, so it went through a server. Um, oh, okay. Because it had to work in the browser. This was, was pre-WebRTC. Oh, but you wouldn't store it on the server? Uh, not in the beginning. We ended up storing it later on. Um, so that, that was my humble beginnings in file sharing, I guess. Uh, and the first, first first version of this was actually written in Java. <laughs> uh, of course, <laughs> which was uh, so. That, I think actually this, this was my first programming uh, project. Um, so yeah, cool. Sounds good. And is is that still going on, or is is it? Uh, yes, yeah, so we ended up getting acquired by a, a, a Danish company uh, oh. where I, where I work now, uh, and I think it's still running. I'm not involved with it with it anymore. Um, but yeah, I think it's still running. Okay, cool. So is that what happened? You got acquired, and then you, uh, you, you're working at that company that acquired you. Yeah, so it's a, it was a Danish company called uh, Economic uh, that did something completely different. Uh, but they were based on the same stack as we were. We ended up being a Node company, and they, they, these guys were big into Node, and they they liked uh, the things we were doing with file sharing. They were thinking about adding some file sharing stuff uh, okay. to their side. Uh, so like, it was a good fit, and. Uh, uh, we wanted to try something else also, so like we were ready to get acquired, I guess. <laughs> okay, so but, uh, so how long were you running the? No, first of all, uh, why did you make the decision to switch to Node? Uh, so that's a good question because I can't remember. Uh, mm -hmm. Because I mean, when 
when you do a startup and if you have especially if you haven't done a startup before you realize that it's like a ton of work and you you spend so much energy uh, trying to make this startup work mm-hmm. and what happens is that you start to forget st- stuff so like i have a i have a half a year uh, half a year year around where we started where i really can't remember that much anymore mm-hmm. i think it, i think it's just because i work too much um <laughs> So I remember, I, I vaguely remember reading a blog post about Node on Reddit back then. And I think that's how I got started. But we got started really early. We got started in the 0.1 days. Of wow. Node. Well, that's yeah. Cool. So and we actually, we actually based our startup on it in 0.2. Okay. Uh, and so. so was that basically, was that like a year in to the startup or? Uh, yeah, probably around a year in. Like uh, probably three months after it got serious with, with, the, with the startup, something like that. Wow. And, and then you, it's very interesting that you started betting on this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> this basically like unstable uh, yeah, technology. Yeah. Like terrible business decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, so not, actually, not really at a, the end of the day, right? But no, uh, no, no, no. I, but like, it's, it's something that people have asked me uh, a lot about later on. And it's like, we didn't really think about it that much back then. We were just excited about technology. Mm-hmm. And, and like, when you work, when you're two guys and, you, and, you, and you're working on something and you need to work like 80, 100 hours a week, you need to have fun. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mean, I don't, I don't necessarily mean fun like partying. I just mean fun doing, doing work. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we had a lot of fun writing Node and we had a lot of fun being like the first guys writing Node. And, uh, that really helped us a lot. Like we were so productive. Um, but, but I mean, like I, I recently looked at some of the issues we reported back then. And one of the issues that I noticed that I reported to, to note call back then was a, like a memory corruption bug. Okay. <laughs> wow. Basically just like memory becoming corrupt. Uh, and that's, that's the kind of thing you don't really want to have in a, something that's really vital to your business, I guess. Um, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, but it worked. <clears throat> okay. So, so the reason was you you had fun working with Node, um, yeah. And and okay. that was the initial reason, right? I mean, I mean later on, because we were doing it back then, we were doing a lot of stuff with WebSockets and streaming, so it, it ended up being a, like a perfect fit, right? But but to be honest, that wasn't the initial like reason we did it. Um, okay. And and so, what did you like about it specifically? Was it just because uh, it was more straightforward than Java, or or yeah, uh, so I I really liked the the I I, I oh, like this was my first Java project and I really started to get bitten by threads mm-hmm. uh, because I, I I didn't have very much experience writing code and threads when you get into like that whole thing it's it's a, it's a mess I mean you need you need you need some really talented programmers to figure that thing out right mm-hmm. uh, and so the whole single threadedness of Node really appealed to me because I could just see a way out of this. Okay. Uh, and, and combined with the fact that this was JavaScript, and I was also starting to get into JavaScript, um, and and we also we already had a lot of JavaScript in the client. So I mean, we had this idea that oh, that probably also means that we could share a lot of code, which in the end we we couldn't. But mm-hmm. I mean, uh, <laughs> often I mean, ends up that way. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's like the initial appeal for a lot of people to to notice, like oh, it's JavaScript. It's so then we just have JavaScript in the client, JavaScript in the backend, and everything is just one big thing, right? But it's it's not. It's, it's two different environments. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, that's. I think that was the the reason. And was it um, like a really big application in the end? Uh, how how did you? 
manage the code basically and the structure of it? So in the beginning, we we had a lot of like rules, like style guides and that kind of thing. We tried to mm -hmm. pursue uh, to kind of like uh, manage it. This was also before the days of NPM. So okay, like NPM came along not that long after, but like uh, or at least like I discovered it not that long after. It might be that it was out beforehand, uh, mm -hmm. but anyway. Um, so we just tried to split things into separate files and had like very strict rules about how things should look and how a constructor should look. And this was back when I just read uh, the good parts of by Charles mm -hmm. and, and and I was really into that kind of thing back then. So mm -hmm. like, and that really says that you should have a lot of rules so i had a lot of rules back then not, not so much anymore okay. um, so that's how we structure it but we ended up like i i, I learned a massive amount of, about like maintaining a project back then uh, because we ended up rewriting it four or five times i think uh, okay. and and just in the end we just did it uh, because it became better every time we did it um so that's something i took along afterwards Okay, so why did you rewrite it so many times? Was it because of uh, performance reasons or anything Just else? because, like, so this was my first real uh, program, right? And this was, like, uh, my first real app, and this was also a distributed app. So you, you learn so many things by writing it and seeing it perform and seeing it scale that you just realize, oh, this doesn't work. We need to rethink this. And you mm -hmm. just like, rewrite it. So the thing about rewriting is that the first time you rewrite it, it takes it. A massive amount of time right it's like a whole thing you need to plan it it takes a month or something like that the next time you rewrite it it takes a week then it starts taking taking a day you know what i mean like oh okay so, because you don't have to rewrite that much yeah and you and you and you're like you become better at it you you you, you know what you can reuse you factor mm -hmm. things out into modules that kind of thing mm -hmm. um so we just ended up doing it a lot because uh, things became better uh, but like the code base probably today is probably pretty dated now because it's it's, it's been a while yeah. uh, at least the last time i touched it but like back then it was, it, we always tried to uh, rewrite it to follow the latest ideas and that kind of thing okay and uh <clears throat> so did you end up using this kind of uh, uh unix mint uh unix philosophy that is very popular in uh, uh, yeah so yeah in the end we we got big into that uh we and we also got begin to trying to make everything as services and that kind of thing uh which is something i'm still very, very interested in um microservices microservices yeah exactly mm -hmm. uh like i wouldn't really call our thing microservices because it was still like uh, not big services but like we had like 10 15 services but i mean the idea of it basically that you split things up into separate parts mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we, we started doing a lot of modules and um some of them were pretty good um some of them are still out on npm today uh, we got a lot of the the cool names because we were really early on so i remember <laughs> like i remember i wrote a database thing for for mongodb which i was into back then and uh -huh. i actually got the name db uh oh, cool. and i i ended up unregistering it because i thought like it's too generic this is not a database it's like something uh, and like we got the, we also got the name router and that kind of thing so oh, cool <laughs> yeah that's kind of fun so do you uh, in your mind, are there any downsides to this kind of architecture? Uh, what What are the the like big mistakes uh, yeah. you made? Uh, so one thing actually I really learned about this kind of thing is that when you write, if you have let's say you have an architecture that's based a lot around modules, uh, it like if you write a module that's actually that shouldn't be a module. I mean, basically something that's really coupled. 
you end up making things way more complicated than they should be. So it's, it's, it's actually okay. really hard to figure out if you haven't done it a lot, what's a good module. Mm -hmm. uh, because they're like, we had some modules that was basically doing database stuff to our database and that kind of thing. So basically uh, doing stuff with shared state, right? Because database is shared state. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't really decouple things. That just means that now you have the same code in two different files. Right, right. Um, so I learned a lot about what makes a good module, uh, basically. It's not just about taking things apart. It's about taking things apart in a way that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the things, one of the reasons actually I got, I got big into open source is that when you take something and turn it into a module and you open source that module, you kind of make sure that it's decoupled because when it's open source, it has to be decoupled, right? Mm -hmm. You cannot just have a, your production database inside a open source module that doesn't make sense, that doesn't make any sense then it's not yeah. open source. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so those kind of patterns. So we, we, we had to, that's one of the reasons we rewrote things a lot because we ended up doing that a couple of times, like coupling modules. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so do you have do you have like um, a like a strategy or is it, or like a, a method to to kind of figure out how to modularize something, or how to split something up? Do you have like a method or is yeah. it just experience? The secret sauce. Um, yeah. I think I think to be honest, a lot of it. In my opinion, I'm not saying this is something that's true for everybody, but like in my opinion, experience is a big part of it. Uh, mm -hmm. you, 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 you kind of have this feeling that it's this is decoupled now. Uh, <laughs> but like, avoid doing anything that's I/O. If you do something that's I/O, it's usually something that's coupled. Like, mm -hmm. um, so I mean, if you um, like, instead of doing an HTTP call inside a module, maybe you should do something where you pass a result of that HTTP call inside the module. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think that's a good idea. Um, also, if you cannot describe it in a readme in 80 lines, it's probably not a module. It's it's too complicated. It's too coupled. Okay. Oh yeah, and uh, and uh, this is actually something I talked to a friend of mine about, a friend of mine about the other day. Um, if you have a module and, and you have a function that takes an argument and this argument is not like a, a JSON object or just a, like a general JSON object or a number or a string, uh, then it's probably coupled. Like if you require an instance of something being passed in, mm -hmm. and this instance instance is not something from a node core, it's, there's a good chance it's coupled. Mm -hmm. So sense. like if you have a function that says here you should pass in an instance of my other module, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. That's de facto not uh, not. Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, it's, I mean, it's it sounds coupled. trivial when, yeah. when we talk about it, but I mean, it's you can have some good discussions about these things because, for example, when. I, I'm, I'm big into LevelDB now. When you build LevelDB stuff, the first step of a LevelDB level module is passing an instance of a LevelDB here. And it's like, mm -hmm. that's kind of thing, but like, it's, it's okay because we only cover once. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> yeah, interesting. So, and um, so you said uh, back, in, back in the day, you were basically, you were, you were into uh, MongoDB. Yeah. I guess you're not anymore. Is so, I don't have any, like, there's a lot of MongoDB bashing going on, I yeah. think. Uh, I, I don't have anything against it. I just, I just don't use it that much anymore. I'm more into uh, different things now, like uh, database experimentation kind of thing. <laughs> uh, what does that mean? I mean, it's it's about, like, building your own database, kind of, uh, using LevelDB and that kind of thing. Uh, uh, okay. Can, can you... Just describe what LevelDB is. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, so LevelDB is this really cool thing that Google did uh, that's basically just an embedded key value store. 
so the, the really, really cool thing about LevelDB and the main feature is that it doesn't really have any features. It's basically just a key value store. And the only thing that you can do besides putting in keys and getting keys is doing like a sorted read stream. So basically, if you put in ABC as keys, you can say, I want everything after A, then you get ABC back. Or I want everything after B, then you get BC back. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually, I didn't know this because I, I never, never had this class in school, but like this is the basic building block of building any sort of index uh, for a database, right? Okay. So like all the indexes that you have in MongoDB or whatever other DB, you can kind of reduce to a sorted uh, stream. Okay. Um, so that's what, that was the initial reason I got really excited about, about it because like, so LevelDB is so, so simple, but we can build all these things on top of it, like build small modules that adds an index or adds something else. And and recently I've uh, I've played around a lot with peer to peer stuff and that kind of thing. And LabelDB is a really good building block for building a distributed system uh, that has state because you can easily like basically it, it handles uh, the pers- persistence layer for you. Persistence layer for you. Like mm-hmm. I want to write something to disk, but not as a file, like to a database. Uh, then you just use LabelDB. Hmm. Oh yeah, and it runs like it's embedded, so you don't need to spin up an instance of it. It just runs as a module. It's just something you require in the browser, in the in your mod, in your node app, and you just like say like I want to give me a level to be, and then you pass it a path uh, where it will store stuff on your disk, and then mm-hmm. that's it. Cool. So basically, it's uh, it's like a yeah, like the foundation of your own little database, and you can add features to it if you want. Exactly. It's like a database Lego. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's like, this is the main building block. Um, so the, the cool thing about it is, as I said, is that it doesn't really have any features, which means that it does very few things wrong. Yeah. Uh, and the things it does do, it, it does really good. So yeah. I like that. Yeah, cool. Interesting. And uh, so what are you what are you doing um, at your company today? Um, so uh, at my day job, I, I do... Um, uh, node development basically uh, I do a lot of infrastructure stuff these days uh, with like Amazon web services and and that kind of thing and uh, just general like <laughs> we need a module that does this and I do that <laughs> okay uh, but like uh, various node stuff uh, all kinds of things I, I like also to do front end stuff I do that sometimes sometimes I like to do like operation stuff I do that um, so yeah, I don't think I have a title. Just floating around, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what uh, what is that company? What 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 do they do? So actually, it's a it's actually an accounting company, which, ah. which mm-hmm. people usually think is very boring, but it's like actually it's it's quite interesting. There's a lot of fun problems there. Well, if you if you like math, I guess, and you like math and you like Node, and they <laughs> implement both of it, I guess. It makes yeah, sense. yeah, and uh, like. So they, these guys uh, uh, invest heavily in, in Node, and I think uh, I, can, I, I can probably say that it's the biggest Node employer in Denmark now. So I mean, there's a lot of really talented people working there. It's also it all, and it's always nice working with talented people. So I enjoy that. It seems kind of counterintuitive that a accounting company would would bet on you know like such yeah a, like a floating point Node. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. Uh, young. Like such a young technology, how did that happen? I, like I, I'm not sure because that was before I started working there. But I, I could, I like, I, I would think that one of the reasons is that when you're in accounting, it must be like a bit difficult to attract people. I guess also, I mean, so mm-hmm. if you use something that people want to work with, you can get really talented people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's probably one of the reasons. And uh, another reason is that 
uh, node is kind of mature now, and uh, you see more and more big players moving into it. So yeah, I mean it's not it's not a that young and hot anymore, right? That's true. Uh, so it's not the zero point two days anymore. If they did it back then, I would say it's crazy. But like today, I think yeah. it's it's a rational decision. Okay, so and do what do they new, uh, uh, use Node for? Like just internal things, or do they like uh, do they have customer facing apps? Oh yeah, yeah. So we got a there's uh, there's a, they, uh, we have two products. There's like a main product called the Economic, and then there's one in Germany called Debitur. And the one in Germany is, is is which is like an accounting thing in Germany, and it's fully based on Node, like all the entire stack. Wow. Uh, <laughs> like there's a it's a it's a service. Architecture, so there's a bunch of other small things in there, like there's some .dot .net, .net in there also, and and some other stuff. Uh, but like the main thing is Node. And what um, do you what do you mean? It's in Germany. It's for it's only for oh, sorry, German sorry. companies. No, 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 it's like uh, I think the the primary customer base right now is German. That's why I said Germany. Uh, uh, but, okay. But it's uh, it's uh, I think it's uh, all over the world now. Huh. Interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. So yeah, uh, and, and uh, we do a lot of open source stuff there also, which I like. So. Ah, what kind? Of, so you're open sourcing modules that you write, or what? What do you? Open yeah, so uh, yeah, so basically every time we do a module that's not uh, business coupled, mm -hmm. we open source this, uh, but just because then we can get like uh, people's opinion on it, and mm -hmm. it gives it get like it also gives a bit of a developer happiness. So like people are really excited about writing modules that are open sourced. Um, yeah. So like, and and Node is really good for writing a bunch of small modules, right? So like, all these things combined make it a, make it a, a good decision, I think. Mm, cool. Uh, so that's that's really fun. Yeah. Awesome. So how many developers work there? Uh, so like in total, there's probably a bunch. There's probably like, I would say, this it's embarrassing that I don't know the real number, but it's like I would probably say there's like 60, 70 developers, and wow. okay. probably. Around 20, 30 of them are node developers, something like that. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so um, I, I saw, what did I see? I, yeah, I, I saw you, your uh, JSConf EU talk. Uh, I actually saw it on YouTube, even though I was at JSConf EU. <laughs> oh, right. I, yeah, I was, I guess I was uh, in some other talk at that point. Did, did we meet there? <clears throat> uh, no, no, we didn't meet. Right. Um, no, I only I only found out about you through through YouTube later on. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I watched that I watched that talk and I, I just uh, that's why I contacted you because I, I yeah. really enjoyed it and um, so I would uh, like to ask you to just uh, basically summarize what you were talking about. Uh, yeah. So so basically I was talking about uh, uh, BitTorrent and uh, Node.js. Uh, mm -hmm. And something that was also described on my Twitter profile, uh, Mad Science. So, <laughs> so actually, uh, uh, I got into just a bit of history here. I got into BitTorrent around, I think it was a year and a half ago, something like that, uh, because a friend of mine was getting into Node, and he asked me, I'm, "I want to learn Node. How? Sh what's a good way of learning it?" And I said. Well, the, in my opinion, the best way of learning Node is trying to write something and write, like find a project and do that, and, and that's how you usually get good at it because then you have a real world app. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was like, "Yeah, okay, sure. What should I write?" And I was like, mm, "I don't know. Uh, why don't you write a BitTorrent client?" And like uh, looking back, that was a really 
bad advice because BitTorrent is like probably not something you want to do as your first step. Mm-hmm. But like this, my friend just dug into it and, and banged something out, and he actually he actually made a BitTorrent client that like it didn't really work, but it almost worked. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw him go at it, and I was like, after he did that, I was like, huh, okay, that's really interesting. I want to help you. So I decided that I wanted to write a BitTorrent client also. Uh, so I, I started working on uh, a highly modular BitTorrent client, uh, which means that like I tried to. There were some BitTorrent, BitTorrent clients on on npm back then, but they were like, "This is BitTorrent. It does one thing. It uh, sorry, it does a bunch of things, and you can't really do anything with it besides getting a file after the, the torrent has been downloaded." Uh, I was like, "No, I don't want to do that. I want to build something that's really modular. Like have everything be a module." I want to have a, like a real low-level interface to it, so I can try to do a bunch of fun experiments with it. Uh, so I actually ended up building something uh, that I called uh, Torrent Stream. Uh, so this is one of the modules that has uh, Stream in its name. Um, so what it does is that it it allows you to uh, pass in a, a torrent file or a magnet link. Uh, a magnet link is just a shorthand for a torrent file if you don't know that. Mm-hmm. And then it gives you like uh, this node object back where you can make a read stream to every uh, torrent and uh, every file in the torrent, right? But you don't know, you don't have to download anything. You can just make the stream right away. So if you make a if you make a, a readable stream to the first file, this stream will st- just start emitting data uh, while it's reading uh, the torrent, like while it's fetching the torrent. Uh, so this seems like a really s- uh, simple thing. It actually is a simple thing. Uh, but it actually turned out to have a bunch of really fun applications. Uh, so, of course, the first and obvious application is you can actually make a movie player that's, that uses this, right? Because now we can actually uh, stream a BitTorrent. Uh, so I made a, I made a, a video player called PFLIX that just took this module and uh, basically just puts it together with uh, VLC and, and that allows you to kind of watch uh, uh, with, uh, movies on the BitTorrent in real time. So you can just take like any movie, uh, put it to this video player, uh, and it will start playing almost right away. Uh, so I, th- I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that, uh, was, that <laughs> was awesome. That was, that was really... Uh, I, also liked, I also liked that uh, you explained basically what torrents are. So basically, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so basically, so how, how I understood it, or what I took away from it about what torrents are, is that torrents basically are... Uh, files that are distributed over people's you know computers or servers and stuff like that but they're not only they're not lying there as the whole file they're kind of they're kind of cut up mm-hmm. yeah so, so yeah so basically you take a file like it's, it's easier to think about if you just think about like one file so you take that file you just cut it into pieces but mm-hmm. each piece is like the, the same size uh, and then you just um you take a hash of each piece, like an MD5 of each piece, mm-hmm. and you just distribute this list of hashes, right? So now if you, if you, if I give you this list of hashes, you can just basically get, and you trust this list of, hash, list of hashes, um, you can basically get the files from anybody because you can just verify that the files are correct by hashing each piece, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's, the, that's the main idea behind BitTorrent, like in the, in the trust sense. Uh, and then it just implements a protocol that allows you to fetch each individual piece from uh, various peers. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. And, <clears throat> yeah, so basically, that was the first time that I really understood what torrents torrents are. Uh, yeah, as like the baseline, and then uh, yeah, so you started streaming uh, a video, and what was cool about it, what kind of also 
what I really enjoy is when when you know when you learn about decentralized architectures um, mm-hmm. that like, I always I always think of it as de- uh, something that is or de- decentralized systems or something that's decentralized is very native to to the web mm-hmm. as a whole because it is decentralized period right yeah yeah <clears throat> and um, and what was so cool was that uh, basically you were saying that uh, when you're streaming the movie, um, the more the more popular it gets, the more better uh, the better you qu- the quality of the streaming or the the, the movie yeah, yeah. gets yeah. because it just works the other way around. You know, it's yeah. not like when you are uh, when it's just served by one server and everybody hits the server and then it's just the breaks down. It's yeah. just the other way around, and which which is just awesome. Like that's just how it's just you know how it should be. At the end yeah, of the I mean, it's 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 that's the fun thing about trying to put these things into slides, right? Because you need to think about explaining uh, why is this cool, yeah. why is this cool, right? Uh, and the the weird thing is that when I like when I first described that uh, pro- property to a friend, I was like, that's that's actually really natural, but it feels counterintuitive because we're so used to things breaking down when we everybody tries to watch the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because we so yeah the, the the internet is decentralized but basically every website is almost centralized right because we just hit, hit the same bunch of servers all the time yeah Un- unless you're using like yeah you know what i mean uh so we we're so used to an environment where we need to be careful about not putting too many uh, people in front of the tv at the same time and mm-hmm. the cool thing about something like BitTorrent is that it works completely the opposite opposite way. Like just get more people in there, it, it just becomes better and better. And like that's a really simple and really cool property. Yeah, uh, and you can also just you can even though you're not downloading the file, you can just jump around in the video, and you you almost get an instant stream from the position that you that you just jump to because because it's uh, because the file is cut up in all those different pieces, right? Yeah, so like in, in practice, it's a, it's a little bit more complicated than that because uh, um, you wanna basically when you when you jump around jump around in the video, you wanna like get that point where you like click to. You wanna get the, the data uh, next to that really really fast because now your video is kind of like lagging, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I I try to do a bunch of stuff there where I actually fetch the same data from a bunch of different people because if you just fetch the data from one guy there's a chance that he might be really slow and then it, then you end up waiting like a minute uh, and a minute when you're just looking at a screen is really 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 long right uh, so you, you basically just have like five ten seconds before someone loses interest mm-hmm. um so i i do a bunch of uh, fun stuff there uh, that i experimented with to try to speed that up um so yeah uh, the cool thing is that it, it's really easy to use so you don't need to worry about these algorithms but like they're they're in there Mm-hmm. It's nice to know, like it's it's fun to to watch it yourself because I know how much stuff is going on when you click on that video on the timeline, and it's just it's it still surprises me that it works. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, because like, and it works so it actually works quite nicely. Uh, I, I don't mean to brag, but like, it actually does work quite nicely. <laughs> uh, well, it worked when you were showing it, so that yeah, was yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like it works. So can, can you can you environment? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, can you uh, can you just break it down in a few simple steps? What what is what's happening? Yes. Yeah, so so basically, like I said, you take a you, you, you uh, in BitTorrent you take a, a file and you cut it into pieces, right? But these pieces might still be kind of big when we're talking about streaming. I mean, they they, they can probably be like a megabyte, two megabytes. Okay. Um, so let's say it's two megabytes. 
and you click somewhere in the video. So now you want to get the two megabytes where you click that as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. So if you just fetch these two megabytes from one, from one guy, there's a chance uh, that he, this guy is not really fast. I mean, even if he, if he downloads, if he, if, he, if he can upload this two megabytes with, let's say, 100K per second, right? still going to take uh, 20 seconds and 20 seconds like i said it's a really long time mm -hmm. and we, we cannot do anything until we get the entire two megabytes because only then can we verify that the data he sent is actually correct so if we just if we just instead of fetching the entire two megabytes just fetch the first 100k there's a chance that he might be sending us like wrong data or like a wrong movie mm -hmm. so we need to buffer the entire two megabytes which is the uh, size of the chunk so what i do is i just uh, divide the, the, the two megabytes into sub chunks, like uh, let's say 100k, mm -hmm. and I just I I have a heuristic to figure out which peers that I'm connected to are, are kind of fast, like have been good in the past, uh, have shown good speed. So I just take let's say 10 of them, and I just uh, have them fetch small parts of this uh, one chunk um, at the same time, like in parallel. So that means that now we are using like all the bandwidth available from these 10 peers to fetch this one chunk. Um, so the problem is, 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 is that when, when this uh, data has been fetched, if, if, the, if this hash turns out to be wrong, like someone said, it sent us some wrong data, we need to figure out which guy sent us, sent us the wrong data. Um, and that's, that, that gets a bit more complicated and it's not that interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but luckily that doesn't happen very often uh, because most peers on BitTorrent are actually quite nice. Um, but yeah, so you end up just utilizing all a lot of your peers fetching this this one piece of data at the same time, uh, and I even like uh, so you still have a problem because you can still like one of these fast peers has, could have become slow while he was fetching this uh, this one piece. So like it only takes one slow peer to to shut down the entire process because you need everybody to finish before you can send back the piece. Mm -hmm. So I I actually have a a thing running that detects, oh, this guy seems to be slow now. And then someone else tried to refetch that data. Um, and this, all of these things combined turns out to be a really good algorithm uh, uh, in general. Wow, cool. So, so, so the, the cool thing about this is that the longer the torrent runs, the more information I have for my heuristic, like to figure out which peers are good, mm -hmm. which means that it will kind of be faster the longer it runs. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is why it, 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 I don't know if you noticed, but like if you watch a movie and you watch like a minute of it and then you skip to in the middle of the movie, the skipping part is really really fast because now it knows a lot about the fast peers. Mm -hmm. Cool. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, you also streamed Wikipedia, which is also <laughs> really intriguing. So, yeah. but um, what did you? Um, oh yeah, I, I remember. So you were, I think you were launching like it was also some node module that could just uh, stream stream that torrent which is wikipedia apparently wikipedia is on BitTorrent, and like yeah. everything is on there is yeah. it on there is it on there as html how, how does that work so um so the wikipedia thing is is actually uh, a really really cool use case for small modules because mm -hmm. since i try to decouple everything into small modules it's really easy to apply this kind of thing to something like uh, BitTorrent streaming to something besides video. Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen uh, I've seen people uh, before trying to like do a streaming video plays with BitTorrent, but like it's it's actually super cool that you can do other things. Um, so I found out that, like you said, that Wikipedia publishes a, a torrent that contains all the data of Wikipedia, and it's actually not uh, HTML files. It's basically just 
one big database jump, uh, dump. So like it's one big file that's, I cannot remember how big it is, but something like 100 gigs. Um, that's binary. Uh, so I actually ended up reading the spec on how this file is indexed. Uh, so basically this 80 gig file, in the beginning of this file, there's there's an index that, that basically tells you where every, every article is in this database uh, dump. Hmm. Uh, so I ended up implementing a streaming parser for this thing. Um, and it's kind of cool because it works by, it's basically just all the articles are in this dump uh, in a sorted fashion. So like all the articles would uh, A are in the beginning and then B and then C, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can find an article by doing binary search. Okay. Uh, but the thing is you're doing binary search on a database dump that's in a bit turn that's distributed. So like every time you do a, as a, a seeking for a seek to to figure out if you uh, which way to, to go in the binary search, you're basically talking to peers around the world. So the, I think that's like when you, when you think about that, that's kind of mind blowing. It's yeah, like, it uh, it's really really it's crazy. Uh, yeah. Uh, so the end result is that you find the article that you're looking for, and uh, that's sipped with some crazy sipping algorithm uh, that only Wikipedia uses. But luckily, someone had made a note module that 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 made that uh, inflate. Um, and that contains actual HTML, so with the styling and everything. So then you just send that back to a browser and boom, you got Wikipedia. That's crazy. That's yeah. awesome. Um, but it also, yeah, it's it's great that they have. So basically it's like uh, just distributed hosting. I was just thinking like, yeah. how cool would that be if you could just host your website distributed like that? Oh yeah, that's, that's, that's the... That's I think I don't think we're that long uh, uh, that far away from that kind of thing. I mean, no, I think I know some I know some really smart people that are working on stuff like this now, and it's like because I mean it solves a lot of privacy problems also, right? Uh, that you can just instead of relying on centralized servers that people can break into, mm -hmm. if you can distribute it, you kind of have to think about the security things up front because mm -hmm. now it's distributed. Um, so it opens up, opens up a whole new possibility of things. Uh, so, uh, yeah, exciting times. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think there's a there's really a lot of people thinking uh, about this right now. There's mm -hmm. a, a, a bunch of movements going on that talk about decentralizing things, and this was just like this would just fit in there perfectly. It was was really that was mind blowing for me. It was really interesting. Yeah, and I think like I, I talk a little bit about it in my talk, but I. This is actually something that someone told me. Uh, uh, I showed it to someone beforehand, and he's like, "Think about the net neutrality thing about this. Uh, like, you can have, you you can build, you can distribute a Wikipedia that you can verify hasn't been corrupted. Like, there hasn't been a government in there editing files or censoring files, yeah, or something like that. Uh, and it like it has the same property as the video streaming. Like, the more people who reach Wikipedia, the, the stronger it gets, uh, and it's go. like it's and it's free hosting." Yeah. <laughs> uh, really... so i mean those kind of properties when you apply that to something besides video it's really really interesting Very i mean that's just that's that's the next frontier in my opinion i think so yeah yeah it's it's like like i said like we really have to we have to now make the infrastructures that we that we implement or that we build on the web make it native to the web which is decentralized and that is mm. really that is it's a big challenge right it's yeah, much, it's yeah. it's just not as easy as centralizing a server or uh, just using one server and locking everything up or having oh, yeah. a little server farm and lock it up and um 
Yeah, but but that's that's I think this is where this is the next level shit for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I completely completely agree. And I mean, I also agree with the the fact that this is not like you say it's not easy. It's hard. Yeah, it's uh, very hard. But I mean, you can implement a lot of this stuff as separate things that make it easier to build stuff on top of it. I mean, you, we basically just need to build some infrastructure that allows us to do these kind of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's uh, yeah that, I think that's the other side. It's it's not um, it's it's not easy. It's it's very hard, or it can be very hard, especially in edge cases and in certain things. But at the end of the day, to get started, we there's just a few things we need. You know, protocols mm. or or somebody who who can you know give us a system to work with or to just get started easily or something like that. And yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I was also thinking about, uh, I was just talking to um, one of my colleagues uh, at work about a decentralized version of Twitter. It turns out there was, um, they, they, they are, there are already a lot of people who are thinking about it, but a lot of it seems a little bit um, complex. And, mm -hmm. um, and I was thinking of a very simple version where you kind of use RSS to just... Uh, to 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 build some sort of a, a messaging protocol that that allows you just to do a very simple version of Twitter where you just you know mm -hmm. have tweets and maybe mentions and that's it yeah and then and then immediately build build an API and and like some really nice clients so that people mm -hmm. have fun using it yeah and, and and I think those are the kind of things like you need to in, you have to introduce design and UX and stuff like that to make it really attractive so so that people you know enjoy using it but at the end of the day I think it's it could be very beneficial for for the world basically to have this kind of stuff yeah i i i, I kind of agree with you with the last part about the ui stuff i mean i've seen a, a bunch of cool things being built that are distributed and peer-to-peer -peer and then the, they often fail because they have bad usability and or like a bad design yeah. which is kind of silly if you think about it that's like so people build these great systems that are so cool but they end up not being used because they look bad yeah. <laughs> um, so i mean uh, we need to think about those kind of things also, like usability and that kind of thing. Uh, I completely agree with you on that. Yeah, I think it's 50% of it, you know? Yeah. I think it's, yeah. it's just 50%. Like, you just, it's just as important. It's really... And it's it's just as hard, you know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No... All the power to the designers. I mean, yeah. it's, cra it's crazy hard. Yeah. Have you heard of uh, the indie thing from Aral Balkan? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, we talked a bit about it. Uh, it's it's very interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I definitely like that. You know, like he he wants to be the the design dictator for this kind of uh, kind of decentralization movement, or at least for yeah. his for his part. And uh, yeah, I'm very curious to see what's gonna what's gonna come from this. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I in general, I'm really curious to see what happens in six months. I don't, I yeah, mean, so many cool <laughs> things right now. Okay. And like with the introduction of WebRTC in the browser, I mean, now you can build these kind of things that runs in the browser also that are distributed. So. Yeah. yeah. And it's just the beginning. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so I would definitely, I would just, um, you know, uh, um, um, suggest that everybody go goes ahead and watches your talk uh, on YouTube because um, that was really fun. And it was also kind of, Mind blowing and mad science and all that stuff was really was really cool. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Um, 
So I would I would uh, like to go into the picks actually. Sure. And uh, ask you for your first pick. All right. So yeah. I, so like I said, I thought about this when when I biked home, and so one of the things I've started to go, I I, I made a pack with myself that I should only have one that is like a tick, uh, and this, that's the first one. It's it's about Dogger. Um, you heard about Dogger? Uh, no. So Docker is this. Oh, uh, Docker. Docker. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I didn't yeah, I don't understand know. you probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I heard about Docker. Yes. I think everybody heard about Docker, right? Yeah. It's yeah. probably the most hyped thing in the world. Um, yes. And do you think it is, it's appropriate that it has that hype? So I like. I, so recently, I've do, been doing a lot of stuff for Docker because uh, I wanted to see what the hype was. Uh, so I think it's one of those things that's completely overhyped and underhyped at the same time, right? Uh, which is why I think it's interesting to, to discuss. Um, so you mean the, different aspects are? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I okay. mean, so, so I've seen a lot of my front-end friends being really excited about this for completely different reasons that I'm excited about. It. So basically, Docker is is a way of of kind of building cheap virtual machines, right? Mm -hmm. um, that are based on an image. So someone else can make an image of a virtual machine that. Like, it's not a virtual machine, but let's just call it that for simplicity. Uh, make an image of a virtual machine that contains like a database, and he can test it on his machine. And then he can push this image to a registry, and I can I can fetch it. And when I run it, I'll I'll be running the same binary code that he, as he was running. So there's a good chance that it'll just work on my machine. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like I said, a lot of my front end friends are really excited about this, but they're excited about it for completely different reasons than I am excited about it, which I thought was interesting. Because I, like I said, like I, I do a lot of infrastructure stuff in my day-to-day uh, -day work. And uh, if you've ever done infrastructure stuff, you have felt the pain of like deploying stuff to two machines, right? Because when you have more than one machine, it's, it's a pain in the ass to like maintain state on those two machines. Make sure that you have the same version of something running, uh, that you have like installed the same software on both machines, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. So you end up using all these tools like Chef or Ansible or whatever they're called, uh, Puppet, mm -hmm. uh, that are, in my opinion, really hard to use. And it's just a pain. And then something like Docker comes along that just allows you to do this super painless because it's basically just, you just write a Docker file and it's like, it's so easy. <laughs> uh, so I got really excited, excited about that. Uh, but you, like, do you use it in production? Uh, no, not yet. Uh, I, I I use it for, for a lot of my own stuff now, like in my spare time. Um, but it's still it's still a bit early. I, I recently wrote a so I in in my spare time I work on a project called Dead, uh, which is like a open source tool for sharing data. And we we we've been doing a lot of um, Docker stuff. And I recently wrote a a workshop. Um, where people would try to try this out, and I based that on Docker because that meant that they could easily get started because they just needed to get my Docker image. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was uh, very interesting. Um, so yeah, so 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 like I said, Docker is is, re is really good for those kind of things, but it's like it started to just annoy me a lot because they they made so many annoying decisions. To be honest, so like <laughs> I don't want this to turn into a rant, but like still. Yes, so, please. Uh, just great. like because the tool has so much promise, because it solves so many annoying problems. But then again, you build these uh, big images on your machine. So basically, when you build an image, 
it also contains yeah if you build a node app using docker it this all this node app the image this node app lives in also contains like the entire ubuntu distribution and something like that mm -hmm. because it's like contains the entire os so when you push this image the first time to uh, to someone else you end up pushing a lot of data mm -hmm. and of course you do this by pushing to a centralized thing right mm -hmm. uh, and that's super annoying why didn't we why, why is this not distributed right mm -hmm. why can i why can i why cannot why cannot I just push this using BitTorrent or something like that? Uh, why do I need to push it to some centralized server that I don't even control? And then, then I that I now all of a sudden need to trust. Uh, maybe I don't trust it. Uh, um, and I, it's not even like it's not very customizable because I cannot just put in my own uh, thing for pushing data instead because the tool itself is kind of coupled to this registry idea. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that just started to annoy me a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, the, the reason it annoys me is because this tool has so much promise and it like will solve so many problems. Um, so I just wish, I wish they would have taken a, a much more modular approach to it. Like instead of having Docker be one thing, it should have been like 50 modules. And then we could, instead of having everything bundled in one thing, I could, I could have tried to build like a, uh, this is what happens when you push an image to another registry that would use BitTorrent or something like that instead. Uh, but that is really hard now because it's it's so bundled into everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, okay, and uh, but but the potential of Docker that you see for for the work you do is that you can basically spin up uh, uh, um, spin up a few Docker uh, images on different machines and it just works or. What is yeah, it's potential? it's basically that you don't need to worry about um, like the state of your servers, basically, because uh, it's it's the idea of an immutable infrastructure. I guess right. I think that's mm -hmm. the, the word of it. That you don't sense. need to worry worry about the state that your server is in, because you know that when you push this image, it contains the entire state of the entire system. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a really really interesting property, and I mean it's the kind of thing that you need. To understand why this is really really cool, you need you need kind of need to have been bitten by a mutable infrastructure, <laughs> yeah. because that can introduce some really funky problems where you don't really know what's going on because someone ran a shell script that did something that you didn't know about, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Yeah. Um, and and let let me guess what the front end people are excited about. So the front end yeah. people are excited about not having to install. Basically, a similar thing. Like you don't have to install a lot of things. Like in order to get a backend working or a server working with a database, they can just pull in a Docker file and then they have like a, a whole WordPress installation with a Docker uh, with, with, with the da with the database and everything is installed and it's just ready to go and they can just start hacking on the front end. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of true. The the, the thing some of my friends front end friends was, was really excited about was also the fact that they could like pull someone else's image, right? You can kind of have a, an app store for images uh, where yeah. someone else publishes, here's the database and you just pulled it. You don't even need to worry about building it. Yeah, and I, I, that, that's what, yeah, that's what I meant. Like oh, it's, just, it's just up there in the registry and they share it and you get like, even your designer can just uh, pull it down and just have it running and, and you know, yeah, see if and it's, I, and, and, implemented. Yeah, and I, I agree with that that's kind of cool, but like in my experience with Docker so far, and I'm, I'm by no far, by no means an experienced Docker user yet, uh, but like that doesn't really work that well because the way Docker makes the way Docker caches stuff, basically the way that 
if that I don't need to pull the entire Ubuntu distribution every time I pull something is that it 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 it, uh, it it tries to figure out if the image is based on the same thing. Like so, if you if I build two images that are both based on Ubuntu, I just need, I just need to pull the Ubuntu distribution once, right? Because mm -hmm. to share it. But most images don't really, in my experience, use the same uh, parent images yet because like then they use someone else's Ubuntu distribution or someone else's. So we ended up mm -hmm. every time I try to pull something, I end up fetching a lot of data, and I fetch all this data from a centralized registry that's located in the in the, in the I think it's located in the states because like the latency is really really slow and downloading it takes a long time. Um, so. Yeah, I think I'm gonna do some experiments. I'm trying to speeding that thing up. <laughs> That's probably gonna be the result of it. Have you been using Vagrant before? Yeah, uh, a little bit. Uh, uh, and Vagrant is kind of cool. Uh, yeah, but it also takes a while to boot up sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but basically, you can do exactly the same thing. With yeah, some, I mean, you don't have a registry and stuff like that. That's that's for sure, and you you don't share images necessarily, <clears throat> unless you upload it somewhere, and you know like. Mm -hmm. uh, but but um, but basically, you can do the same thing. Yeah. But I mean, I don't I don't like I don't dislike the idea of a registry. I just dislike the idea of a registry being in like the core of something, right? Kind of like, imagine if Node had been had been bundled with npm from the beginning basically that they had to figure out how to do npm before they did node mm -hmm. that probably would have meant that uh, npm wouldn't have been so nice because i mean you need to make a lot of decision very fast and you kind of like as soon as you put them in the core you're kind of stuck with them because you cannot upgrade them because then you need to upgrade core mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the classic like big application problem and i kind of feel like a lot of the stuff happening with docker now uh, it's the same thing. Like the, the registry is annoying, but we kind of stuck with it because it's in core now. Yeah. Um, mm. It also feels like I, I don't. I'm not sure how the structure or how, you know what the company behind Docker is and how it's all set up. But it kind of feels like the, uh, Docker, like the the marketing and um, how the communication is done and how it works. It kind of feels like there's a there's a company behind it that is very interested in you know, and having it coupled to the registry for them just to be, you know, because they own yeah. it or something like that. It's Yeah, it could be a business case or something like that. Yeah, I think that there is something like that. It's just, it's the, that's just the, the current kind of feeling that I, that I get, that I get with it. I think there's mm. money behind it and, um, and, you know, that's why there's also, and somebody knows how to, how to generate or knew how to generate the hype because, because for some reason I understand why people like it, but I don't understand necessarily why people are getting so extra excited about it. It's, yeah. Okay. I, I see your point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so it yeah. seems to be some, some marketing power behind it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so my first, my first pick is actually, um, is another talk. It's, it's the Flux and React.js talk from F8. Um, when, you, when you go to the Flux, you know, uh, Flux website that Facebook put up on GitHub, mm -hmm. there is there's this YouTube video where they basically, it's, um, it's, uh, um, starts like 10 minutes in and it goes like 30 minutes. And first there's um, um, this um, engineer is talking about the Flux, <clears throat> the Flux architecture that they came up with. And then they're mm -hmm. talking about, 
uh, React JS. Have you ever um, have you read about it or do you know? About actually, it? I, I actually used React quite a lot. Um, I remember hearing about it uh, last year at JSConf. Okay. Uh, um, and I, th I thought it was really interesting because it was quite a novel uh, take on this whole like how do we make front end suckless. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it's like it's the kind of thing that's extremely simple to learn in my opinion i mean because it's, it's just like you just render it's kind of like the same idea as the docker thing almost like with the immutable infrastructure because you just don't worry about state you just render everything all the time and mm -hmm. something else will take care of it um yeah. so actually recently I've, I've written a couple couple of uh, node modules that that, that like front-end node modules that uses uh, react and i'm 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 really excited about it i have i haven't used so much so many of the other front-end libraries, but uh, like this one, I can I can understand why it's cool, and it's also it's kind of cool that it's, it does very few things. Like I'm a yeah, like it it, it plays nice with it with the uh, Unix philosophy in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't I haven't what's what's Flux? I haven't really yeah. Flux is also interesting. Flux is uh, is basically their application architecture for the for the front end where they use uh, React with Flux. And um, what I liked about React was yeah, like you said, it's you know the you just you get the state and you you re-render all the time and you just push towards react itself basically and react and figures out okay what here's the dom here is basically the state i have to i have to show and then it just figures out what to app update exactly in the dom it just takes out it just makes so much sense it just takes mm. out you know the most paid painful part basically yeah and, and um so that's why that's uh, when I was sick last uh, last week. Uh, that's also why we had to reschedule mm. <laughs> the recording. I looked, at, I watched this video, and uh, and I really got excited about it. It was really interesting, and I, and, and I also got ex first. I really got excited about Flux because it started starts with Flux, and what basically what they're saying is that they looked at um, their you know like MVC architectures in the front end, and they also started using it at Facebook, mm. and then basically they had a nice little graph, and it it showed how you know you get um you have this relationship between there's the model and the model goes into the view and then um you have relationships that go go back to from the view to the model and then you know back and forth and then you have if you have a big application you end up having a lot of views and mm -hmm. those views talk um to different models and and those basically those relationships can go back and forth and you can very easily have um, like a loop in there that's very hard to track, right? That's mm -hmm. one. That's like one you know, like bad case that you can have. And um, it, they just found that it was really, it just got very complicated to wrap your head around the MVC structure. And, sure. and um, especially in a, in a large application, of course. So be, and their, their, their um, example was they were talking about the, the chat, the Facebook chat at some point, the, the biggest request from Facebook users was to fix the chat because chat was really weird. There was there's this little chat window when you just on the Facebook, uh, you know, like news stream, there's a little chat window down to the right. And then they always had to manage that little the state in that chat window uh, with the state of the little chat bubble that shows how many unreads you have. And then also the big chat view when you go to messages and then um, 
it it always it just always got out of sync and whenever they fixed it they and they implemented another feature it, that bug came back and it was just like really mm. bugging them and they had real problems figuring out what the problem is and um so then they they switched to this flux um architecture and it's it's very much i think um like the mediator pattern um basically and it, and it's very easy to 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 reason about it because it just goes in one direction the whole data flow and and you know actions and everything just goes one into one direction basically you have um you have the the model whatever 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 data comes in and yeah. it goes into this dispatcher and the dispatcher then sends it to the data store right so it needs mm -hmm. and it gets saved there and and when the data store is done it goes to the view right and mm -hmm. then uh, you can have interaction like the user can interact with the view and then another action can be triggered but that action doesn't go back to the data store or to the model it goes to the dispatcher again oh, all right and then the dispatcher um just checks um you know can i send this thing to the data store is there some, still something processing and if if the data store is not done it just throws an error or something like that mm -hmm. and um and if it's done it just goes into the same direction so you you get that continuous um you know flow that just goes through the dispatcher to the view and then back to the dispatcher and it just makes and and yeah it seems to work for them really well and it's, it's very easy to just wrap your head around it you know mm. especially when you yeah, have, yeah yeah when you have a big application that's always the same for every single view and for everything you do it's just that same data flow and it, and it works perfectly with react of course because it's also yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so so i found that very interesting because it's so um it's so easy to because i always since since the beginning of front mvc i always had i found it hard to to like just the concept of uh, how the mvc structure works uh, to to keep it in my head and to to reason about it and uh and this just makes um, a lot, just a lot of sense, and I, I feel like maybe this is even a more natural way to do it for for the browser, to 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 uh, you know uh, uh, application architecture for the browser. Yeah, it's I mean it's interesting. People always tend to talk about MVC right when like as the as the go to pattern for everything. Yeah, and and like I'm not even sure I know what MVC is anymore because people seem to change it all the time almost. Well, in the, uh, in the, in, yeah, apparently, yeah, and in the front end, they 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 don't even call it MVC because they can't. They want to. Everybody wants to yeah. call it MVC, and everybody kind of calls it. But then you 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 call it MV whatever or MV yeah, star yeah. Or, and, and and all this stuff because it's just not MVC because this relationship between the view and whatever goes in the data in your application somehow it's just not that that kind of relationship. It's just a little different, and maybe. It's good to just go away from yeah. the MVC kind of, yeah. even from that you know word or uh, acronym, yeah, yeah, yeah. and just completely go away from that and just think about how the data flows and how and and just and I just love that React just you know takes this whole thing away that kind of through the diffing with the virtual DOM and just figures out what to update ex exactly in the DOM. I just I just love that because that's that's a big pain and it's great if you have a library that that can do that and it it's very high performance. And, and yeah, I mean I really and I like 
I really love the simplicity of React. Like not the simplicity behind it, but like using it, right? It's it's yeah. just yeah. so easy. That's my that's my that's the main reason I, I like to use it. And also it you know, React doesn't like you don't need to go into all these discussions of which uh, framework is best, which I hate because like yeah. no no framework is best. It depends yeah. on what you're doing. And like maybe you don't even want to use a framework when you maybe you want to use a bunch of uh, uh, different stuff. So uh, one thing I, I really like to do is I like like to use uh, React and then I like to use Browserify and, and like mm -hmm. a lot of NPM modules. And that actually kind of uh, fits well together, right? Because React is also just uh, a module that kind of does one thing and it just renders stuff. And I, I really love the fact that you can just you can like you can make a pattern like you describe here the flux pattern, and you can just make that uh, on the side. You don't need to bake that into React. Yeah, uh, which is like it kind of validates the idea almost that it's a good idea. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, it's 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 it, uh, just what you said. Simplicity. I think that is for me. That's what it sold. Like what sold this whole. Um, yeah, the the pattern and and React is just it makes it it makes it more uh, simple to 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 reason about your app and to write it, and it makes mm -hmm. it very easy for new developers to get into it because it's always just the same flow, and um and you're just writing JavaScript. You don't have to learn a DSL or you know like yeah a, yeah yeah like a, a how the framework does things and stuff like that. Yeah, and you do, and at the same, and, but you can still, even though you don't have to learn all of that stuff, it still um, is efficient in memory, and you don't have, you know, you don't have any dangling kind of references and all this kind of stuff. So, this this really uh, spoke to me. I really. I, I remember like the first time I got it, like when I tried one of these. There's a couple of immutable DOM stuff stuff out there, but like. You know the fact that you that you render a component and you and you use your mouse to select some text in this component and then you re-render it, but like your selection doesn't go away because mm -hmm. it, like it figured out that 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 thing that part hadn't changed, which is like something that always happened to me before when I did like dynamic web apps because you just ended up pulling a DOM element out of the tree and then modifying it, putting it in again, and that would just like make things behave weirdly. <laughs> so, uh, so I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah, I, I agree with you. That's that's kind of cool. It's, it's it deserves some recognition. Yeah, definitely. So I will. I definitely can recommend uh, just watching that video. It's just thirty minutes, but there's a lot of information in there, and it just makes it very clear. So that was really cool. Nice. Yeah. So what is what is your second pick? Uh, so like my second one is just something that I realized that I like this week. Uh, I, I realized that I like space. <laughs> you know the universe. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it like it started out by I I went to watch uh, Interstellar. Uh, I, I'm not gonna spoil it if you haven't seen it. Oh, I haven't haven't seen it, but I definitely want to see it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's it's. I think like half of the people who have watched it don't like it, and half of them really like it. And I, I think mm -hmm. I was in the part that really liked it. Okay. And then like you know, two days after I watched the movie, they landed a they, they landed the the rocket the, the the rocket thing on the comment. Uh, oh, okay. Um, space, right. Uh, right. The Rosetta, the Rosetta mission. Uh huh. Uh, and I like, I just started to realize that I still like space. <laughs> and, so so uh, basically, it, your pick is space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what to call it, but I mean, <laughs> it's just that. Uh, I mean, we do a lot of programming, right? And it's, it just seems very. Uh, like all the discussions I have about programming with people seems very stupid compared to the things people are doing with space exploration, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. Like, 
it, it, it's just the scale of things. Um, yeah, and like I, I recently uh, got to work with an astronomer, astronomer uh, on a, on some open source stuff, and uh, like the I still don't understand this the and like how big space is because it's just it's infinite, right? Mm -hmm. And well, so basically, these astronomer guys are are working. Uh, have a project where they scan the sky to uh, take pictures so they can analyze stuff. And uh, so they have a bunch of satellites and telescopes that take pictures of space. Uh, and like the sky is so big that they all had to decide basically on one pixel in the sky that they all look at because otherwise they would get too much data. Wow. So they just like have one pixel of the sky that they, they all, all the telescopes take pictures of. And this, I think this, this thing is called strip 19 or something. Mm -hmm. And it's still like, terabyte and petabytes of data uh, but it's just one pixel of the sky and they they like they, they analyze that and still learn so much stuff from it so like this it's just very interesting for me to learn about the scale of those kind of things hmm. um, crazy yeah so i mean it's, it's not really it's, it's not that much programming it's just i mean space is cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of saddens me that we stopped exploring space a little bit yeah. Um, yeah yeah hey i don't know maybe it's uh it, maybe there is something something else needs to somebody else needs to step in the governments so yeah, yeah. governments are too busy fucking up earth <laughs> <laughs> if we if we if we fuck it up uh, uh enough it will kind of solve itself <laughs> yeah so maybe that's the, the, the grand master plan yeah <laughs> Well, but, uh, after uh, after decentralization, space. Yeah, yeah, it's the <laughs> it's the it's the final frontier. The final frontier. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, actually, yeah, a friend of mine is working on a working on a distributed file system, and he he ended up calling it the interplanetary file system because <laughs> uh, he, he couldn't really he he didn't want to like limit it to Earth, like he mm -hmm. he wanted to apply to the universe. So I mean, it's good to think about these kind of things. It's the yeah. It's uh, it, yeah. I'm sure there's also a lot of, you know, like I don't know. Maybe maybe there's uh, physics things in physics and in space and stuff that that we can use in in uh, programming that we haven't discovered yet. I don't know. Like there's, I think there's still tons of stuff that we just don't know. There's so much to learn. And, yeah, that's uh, actually that's that you can learn from. You know. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's 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 really interesting because like I was in so this is not. Say about space. I was in Australia uh, ten days ago, and like when I got down there, I, I was doing something on the internet, and the internet down there is kind of slow. And I asked someone, you know, why is the internet slow here? And he, he basically said the speed of light. <laughs> and that kind of that kind of like stuck to me because it's just because Australia is so far away from most uh, server farms mm -hmm. that like the, the 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 amount of time it ta it takes from TCP. To like send an acknowledgement and send a packet back, that kind of thing, just like it, it adds up, right? I mean, I mean, it, it yeah. becomes milliseconds, and when you like do sequential requests, milliseconds become seconds, and everything just becomes slow. Yeah. So you kind of, I mean, you need to think about these kind of things when you're doing protocols, because if you have a hand, if you have something that takes a round trip, you can it, that won't work in space. Uh, it, like it doesn't even work when you send stuff to Australia. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a. Uh, it's 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 fun to like, it's it's fun to design protocols around these kind of things. Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So my second pick um, is an episode of the JS Jabber podcast. And that's the last episodes, uh, episode, which was about Angular. And, um, and it was basically, they had the Angular team on, um, you know, all the Google guys. Mm-hmm. And they were just kind of talking about, because there is this big kerfuffle, everybody is, or not everybody, but yeah. a lot of people are upset because Angular JS 2.0 will change a lot of things. And um, it's a complete rewrite and, 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 and people are getting very uh, yeah, yeah. panicked. And um, so they were just coming on to that show to to just you know to to talk about it and you know say what is what is new in in the newest version one point three which just came out and what's happening what's going to happen how can you transition to two point and two point is only coming in two years and and it was just I think it was a good episode and it was really um, good to just hear them you know talk about it and how they think about it and what the plans are and all that stuff because that all it just um, you just there's no reason to be upset really you know like i think that mm-hmm. that the the 2.0 thing i think is they're going to introduce a lot of sensible changes a lot of stuff that makes angular better and then they um they will also i mean it's so long to go still and there will be clear transition paths also from 1.x versions to 2.0 and stuff so mm-hmm. i thought it was it was good you know f- just to have this uh that they could come on the show there and just clear it all up. Um, that was a good episode. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, for me. It's it's really interesting to like when we have these things that kind of have a cult cult around them. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. so you have a bunch of developers that are so into Angular Angular that when Angular does something different, they become really angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it's interesting that you spend so much energy. Uh, <laughs> on, on one thing, right? Because it seems like a—I mean, you can argue that that, that Node, Node people do the same thing about Node, but I mean, Node is more like a platform than it's a framework or a module. Yeah. Uh, because it's—I mean, it's everybody knows that software is going to change, right? So it just—it seems weird to me that you 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 would become so angry. I, I followed some of the discussions on Reddit. And it was kind of fun to read because there were some really angry people in there. Okay. Um, like the same thing kind of happened when uh, when uh, TJ uh, decided to do Go instead of Node, right? Mm-hmm. And a bunch of people were like, "Oh, we're doing we're doing Go now," and it's like, "No, we are not. TJ is, and that's fine." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can you can you you can you can you can do whatever you want. You can do .NET. You can do Go. Um, nobody's forcing you to do anything. So. Yeah, but I, I must say in this case, uh, TJ just seemed to be um, such a huge force uh, yeah. in in the Node community because of all the stuff he wrote and all the stuff that people were using that he made and all. So I can understand how p- people were feeling unsettled because you know, like he, uh, yeah, I guess he he brought it. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not a uh, I haven't been programming so much with Node and I'm not that deep in the community. But it just but from the, the the sense I got was that he was really an important kind of pillar. And uh, but it was oh, good. Yeah, yeah. But it was what 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 it was definitely good to see that that people kind of swooped in. You know, other people swooped in and it got decentralized. Whatever he did yeah. just got you know taken over from by other people and. 
and it just feels uh, just as vibrant uh, it's not it, like the impression that he was so super important uh, for for node was not that correct although he yeah. was a great he was a great part of the community yeah okay i i i agree with you that like uh, he's a cool programmer and does a lot of stuff it's just i mean the kind of like the when you turn things into a cult, it annoys me a little bit. Yeah. But, <laughs> that's always uh, problematic. Yeah. But it's actually like your point there is actually quite good that it's it shows that a, that a platform is kind of healthy then yeah. when it like it moves on kind of quickly and and without losing pace. Uh, I mean, if you have something that relies on some uh, one person that much, it's probably not healthy to begin yeah. with. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Do you have a third pick? Uh, yeah. So. Like my third one, I, I I really tried to pick three ones that I w wanted to talk about. And the third one was something that people often ask me about. That's uh, basically just how to be productive. Um, so this is something I get asked a lot because some people think I'm productive, but actually I'm not very, I'm not super productive. Uh, I just spend a lot of time writing code. <laughs> code. <laughs> um, so like I, I'm, I'm really interested I, I'm a big believer in the there's in in the fact that there's like not one rule that works for everybody, mm -hmm. uh, but I, I really like to hear hear from other people uh, how they how they are productive. Like, what do they do to become productive? Uh, so I I recently started doing small things like uh, turning off push notifications for everything, uh, uninstalling like. Uh, games on my mobile phone, that kind of thing, kind of to have no disturbance when I'm working. Uh, I feel that, that that has helped me become more productive because, like, there's this things uh, making sound, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you have any? Like, how how, how are you productive? Um, uh, that's a good good question. Or are, are you not? It's also fair enough. <laughs> I well, there are times when I am productive. I feel, uh, you know, like when you when you get. Um, uh, so there, there are times where I feel I feel unproductive I feel easily distracted and but um, there's definitely one of the recipes for me as well is to to just turn off applications I don't need and you know put the phone away and stuff and then there's just something there's just uh, you know working and then at some point um, there's there's like a, a boost of productivity and I just yeah. get into I just get into a, this there's a very efficient you know like a time span of maybe like two hours or so that I'm that I'm very productive and, and I'm working well and what 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 I often need to do though is I have to I have to get up from my from my desk and I have mm -hmm. to walk around and I just have to kind of because sometimes I get stuck in one place and I have to I have to just get away from it and think about uh, j just let go from where I just was and just think about okay what is the next step what is not mm -hmm. you know to not think about the big the bigger part the, the 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 big like result that I'm trying to achieve but just the the smallest the tiniest next step that I could mm -hmm. think about and that just um and and that gives me a different perspective and makes me and then i can get back to my desk and i can yeah i need to walk around think a little bit and then i can get back into it and then, that's know. that's very that's very interesting actually something i i, I i've been trying to do recently is something i, I learned from my friend uh, uh, max Auckland, and that's that's like so he likes to work at coffee shops and 
And I, I started to work a lot of, from coffee shops, but like only sit there for two hours. And then after two hours, you have to get up and you have to go to another coffee shop because that like, that makes you go on your bike and get some fresh air and, mm-hmm. and, and think about stuff. And actually that, 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 that helps me, helped me a lot, uh, like to avoid the, you know, you know, the, the, that feeling when you're sitting at your computer, but you're not doing anything. You're just thinking about how yeah. a program will work, but that's, that's actually a really bad idea because the best way is just like banging it, banging it out, yeah. trying to write some code, then yeah. you'll figure it out. And like that, 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 that has helped me a lot, like with that kind of thing. So like, like what you're saying, try to get up, get some air, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and like uh, do stuff again. Then, yeah, and also, like I'm, I'm, I have a bad habit because I'm really productive uh, during the night, which mm-hmm. is really annoying mm-hmm. because that means that you're, <laughs> like, you go to bed really late. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. I would like to fix that if I could. I would like to be more productive in during the day, but I mean that's just not how it works. Yeah, but I, I feel I feel that too. Like I often feel that I, I feel more productive when everything calms down when you're in the office and there's like people are leaving and just yeah and it's darker and for some reason that just lends itself a lot uh, or much better to to programming, especially when you're working in an office where there is you know constantly things you know you have to discuss and then there's a project manager and then there's emails from the client and then there's a yeah. ticket coming in and there's a request, blah 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 blah. So there's so much just disruptions that you can't really um, avoid sometimes, and then when everything comes down and everybody else is gone. It just feels like, wow, this is now really nice. You know, you yeah. can just take your time and just, and and just you know work on a on a problem. Actually, like the the time the time between Christmas and New Year's Eve is actually I think that's my favorite time to do programming because mm-hmm. that's the kind of that's the period of time where no one expects you to read an email. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's true. Be- yeah. Because like you can have a vacation, but yeah. people probably still expect you expect you to read an email, right? Oh, maybe yeah. some do. So like the, during those periods where everybody is not doing anything, mm-hmm. that's where I like I feel, I feel like I'm peaking there, like when I'm doing stuff. Yeah, I, I also like that that time actually in general. Even uh, just just going out, I used to. I used to actually, um, I, um, I, I live in, in, in Stuttgart and I used to live in a different city of, in Leipzig, that's just mm-hmm. a little bit more north. And um, I used to come home um, on Christmas um, to visit my parents and I would always take the train on the 24th and on the 24th, it's, you know, like Christmas Eve is when, <laughs> is when, when that is, that is Christmas in Germany, you know, like yeah. it's not on the 25th, like in many other countries. I don't know how it is in, in Denmark, but uh, in Germany, the 24th, it is Christmas and everybody's home with their family already. Everybody is on the, in the countryside, like everybody's gone. And I used to take the train from Leipzig to, to Stuttgart and there was, and it, the train that is normally pretty full and you need to, you know, it's hard to find a seat. It was just completely empty. The streets are <laughs> nice. empty and like everybody is just gone and just, it's so peaceful and um, it's a really nice feeling. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Just traveling on, on Christmas Eve was great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds really nice. Kind of like this. I think it's the same feeling of, of, uh, that is like similar to being in an empty airplane. Like yeah. if you travel somewhere somewhere far and there's like you are in the airplane and maybe there's like five other people there, uh-huh. 
and like you just and you're like you cannot you cannot just leave the airplane like you're stuck in there for mm -hmm. the entire trip so mm -hmm. that means that like I might as well do some work but like I don't have any internet so no one can nobody can disturb me mm -hmm. yeah, uh, exactly yeah yeah but um, yeah so so um, actually doing doing sports in between like you were saying is I, I think is um, that is really really uh, very helpful as well not just yeah. walk, w walking around but if you have the opportunity to get on a bike or uh, to go for a run or something like that it helps especially if you don't do it on a regular basis anyway like for, yeah yeah it's it makes a big difference yeah yeah and there was one other thing I was thinking about uh, that helps me with productivity but oh yeah there's um, one thing is to sometimes I get overwhelmed when uh, a product uh, a, a, a program gets gets too complicated to you know and I need to keep and I try I I have this you know very bad tendency to tr to try to keep everything in my head and to just mm -hmm. figure it out in my head and just you know know where everything is and how everything works and what depends on what and stuff mm -hmm. and at, you know and, and that very quickly it doesn't work anymore yeah. if, you, if you write on if you write a bigger thing and um yeah and just to 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 uh sit down a little earlier than i would instinctively do and just you know draw on a piece of paper how things work together and, or write stuff down and just scribble and just to get it all out of my head onto a piece of paper that is something that uh, for some reason i have a very hard time to do I forget that that's possible or something, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. And, and when I actually then do it, it just is a big relief. It, it helps. It helps a lot. So that's also a big way for me to improve productivity on complicated stuff. Actually, I talked to, uh, I, I can't remember why, but like a while back, I talked to the author of, um, the zero MQ module, Peter Hinchkins. Um, and he had this really interesting theory that, we should think about process and like what you're saying, like working on a, on, on something that has a lot of components as distributed systems. Like it's impossible to get like a global overview of a distributed system. Uh, so like try to apply some of the same ideas from distributed systems to your own like development process. Um, so I, I tried to do some of that, but it's like, it's really interesting. Like, you know, uh, every component should be kind of like itself and, uh, like you don't necessarily need to have a view of the entire thing you're building and that kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and in the same sense, like you should never have a meeting that involves everybody in the organization because like that's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, like you should, maybe you should try like reading up on like uh, distributed, uh, how does this distributed system work and try to apply some of that. Yeah, that might help. sure. I'll look for some articles. <laughs> <laughs> It, it it just comes down to always it always comes it seems to you know when it when it comes to uh, building bigger systems doesn't matter if it is an application at the front end or the back end or whatever it is it always comes down to you have to break it up into pieces somehow yeah 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 that's the I think that's the so far in like my six seven years of, uh, experience as a developer that's the only rule so far that that hasn't been invalidated, I think. Mm -hmm. like yeah. Everything else I've been taught has been like, oh, yeah, but not in this case. Yeah. And like, but, break, but breaking things down is just a good idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And even actually the best time to do that, that's something that I kind of 
have figured out for myself the best time to do that is before you even write the first line oh, of yeah, code. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so true. Like people have this, people have this like idea that, oh, I'm going to write this and if it works, I'll split it out. And what, I, what always happens, and I've seen this happening like uh, so many times, is that, oh, but it works now, so I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I like know. always just like make that repo get that thing out, get like that thing out there and then you're done mm-hmm. um, and I actually I, I, like I, I've been playing this game where I, I follow uh, open source people the, that I that I know do this and it's really fun to try to guess what they're building by seeing what kind of modules they publish right okay so like see that they publish oh this guy is starting to publish a bunch of small docker modules Mm-hmm. Oh, so he's building something with Docker. What is he building with Docker? Because I know that he's building all the small components before he actually releases the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a kind of like that's a fun game. Uh, if you ever need something nerdy to do, <laughs> uh, I think I have enough stuff to do. <laughs> nerdy stuff to do. No, but it, yeah, but it's a, I, I can imagine it's a fun game, yeah, for sure. That's cool. Um, oh, and my my last pick is um, an article. It's uh, the title is nine basic principles of responsive web design, and it's a cool article because it's kind of a summary of you know, um, basically well known principles of of responsive web design. Let me just let me just uh, bring it up. But what is nice about it is that it's. Um, it's done with a lot of care. It's uh, it's written well, and uh, it it has. So, for instance, he is describing he or is it a she? Um, actually, don't know if the author is he or she. But the author is describing, for instance, you know what is the difference between responsive and adaptive, and he, mm-hmm. <clears throat> or for instance, uh, what is what are relative units versus static units in the front and he is uh, he made uh, the author made um animated gifs that kind of that 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 have like small small patterns on them and then he he animates them in a way so that you can so it illustrates the point he's making or yeah or what how breakpoints work for instance you know how does how does a site with break uh, breakpoints work, and how does the site without breakpoints work? So, for instance, there's this animated GIF with the breakpoints. It shows how it rearranges the pattern completely for the phone, and then without the breakpoints, it just makes everything smaller for the for mm. the phone. You know, and uh, it's very nicely uh, made and illustrated. So, I really enjoyed this little article. So, I'm gonna link it up in the show notes and recommend it for people to read. Yeah, and like in, in general, it's it's I I enjoy like articles way more than I enjoy books. I think uh, mm-hmm. like like just getting that condensed information in a couple of pages and uh, and then like learning by doing afterwards. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a great, in my opinion, it's a great great way to learn. Yeah, for me too. Um, I enjoy um, articles that have dense information in them, and also I like to learn by. Uh, watching videos if the video is good like oh, yeah. screencasts or talks that are good yeah yeah and then that's true i've seen a lot of people like watching uh, youtube videos about things now mm-hmm. i've never really done that but like it seems like a really powerful concept yeah uh, there's basically everything is on there apparently some 
some generation uh, started instead of using Google um, uh, just to search everything on YouTube. Whatever. Yeah. The, yeah it's yeah. just a, it's just the reflex is not going to Google. It's going to YouTube, and then they watch a video that's about it. That's so true. It's like uh, pe people that are generation younger than I am are doing that. Yeah. yeah that's, exactly. That's, that's the, the new which makes me feel the old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I think that kind of works uh, nicely. Um, yeah, because there's just everything is on there. It's crazy. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, really true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so now we're coming to the music picks. Do you have a music pick for me? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, so actually, I had one, but I couldn't find it. But but I remember a while back, I I listened to this. Uh, it's not heavy metal, but it's like metal version of uh, I wish you a happy Christmas, Merry Christmas. <laughs> and uh, like it was made with a the, the guitar pedal, like that sound it makes when they kind of talk through that. Uh, but I couldn't find it, so it's like, that's a stupid story. Anyways. <laughs> uh, but, but that's your music pick, so but, but is there, it, can you find it for me so I can work it into the podcast? Uh, I'll find it for you afterwards. I know, I know who has it, but he's asleep because he lives in the states. <laughs> yeah, don't wake but him up right now. <laughs> yeah, but, but like that, that, that. So that that song really fits my mood right now because like I'm I'm starting to get into a Christmas mood, but I I'm also kind of heavy metal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. So yeah, it's great. Nice. <clears throat> What's your pick? My music pick is um, it's a track called Differentology. And it's actually not very new. It's also, I think it's from last year or the year before. And it is, uh, it's by Bungie Garland. Uh, he is a soca, soca artist. Do you know what soca is? No. Uh, basically, it's that kind of, is the music that they play, uh, or that comes from Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, right. And Trinidad and Tobago, they're, they're super into their carnival thing, right? Once mm. a year, they have this huge carnival, and there's like trucks on the street, and, you know, the women all dressed up and dancing on the street, and everybody's yeah. just going crazy. And, um, and most, the, the, most of the time, they just play, they have, you know, they have like uh, DJ setups on the trucks or artists even on the trucks that perform the songs and it's most and it's just soca time. That's that's the music that they play and it's super fast. You know, like it has this kind of typical kind of soca beat, which is pretty fast, <laughs> and it has this Caribbean sound and 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 uh, yeah, it's just very fast paced, kind of simple melodies, but a lot of singing going on. And uh, and Bungie Garland is one of the soca kings basically. There's even this kind of I think a uh, competition thing where he, you know, the Soka King gets like, and the Soka Queen, they're getting uh, the, like the public votes for them or whatever. Who, oh, who is, nice. Yeah, yeah <laughs> something like that. And he's been, he's been doing it for a long, long time. 
and uh, he just recently I think it was last year maybe it was this year even i'm not sure but this song really blew up um all over the world actually it um he made it to to america with it he was interviewed on hot 97 which is like the biggest uh, hip-hop station in new york and uh and he got invited to to perform on on the on the summer jam over there in New York and and I mean that's 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 huge you know and for yeah. for somebody like him who who mostly he was I think he was already touring worldwide and he's pretty well known uh, for, for, but uh, but I think that must have been his biggest hit and 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 it's it's not very typical soca it's kind of more slowed down a little bit but it's definitely very still very soca-ish and very you know danceable and everything and but what i like about it is it's just um it's just a good track it's uh, uh i really i like the the melodies you know in it it's not yeah. a very deep track it's mostly just about having fun and dancing and stuff <laughs> and 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 it's called and it also what's fun what what he said in the interview i saw this interview and the song is called differentology which is just like you know what what is you know what is this yeah and yeah and it has nothing to do uh, with it basically the what it should what it should um, be called is ready for the road because that's what he says in the chorus because he's basically stories like they're always you know on the on tour and they're always ready to go on tour and they're always partying look on the sun now raising up and the crowd now waking up the atmosphere have vibes and nothing can break it up. The girl them a wine non-stop. We had the drinks them in a mic up. We gonna party all night, all night. 24 parties we hit in a row. Tonight at the very last show. Before we about on the road. The girl them a release the road. So let me see your hands up so. Everybody know, put your hands up so. If you're ready for the road, let your friend them know. We're ready for the road. kind of stuff yeah. so it's ready for the road blah 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 and uh but he what he said in the interview was that it's good to think about um basically giving the song a hype before it's even released <laughs> and and you can do that by giving it an interesting name so he gave yeah so he said he he called it differentology because it's different from the music that he normally makes because of the pace of it and stuff like that and um <clears throat> and and that was just like a marketing trick. He just called it differentology, and that's and it, it kind of it looks cool, the word you know, and it and it sounds interesting, and it really I, apparently it worked. So so that's the that's the story behind that behind that name. That's yeah. that's a that's a that's a great story. I mean, you can probably use that in software development also, like yeah, to find, try Actually, to find a good name first. Yeah especially if you if you know you have a great thing right yeah because that's, oh, yeah, yeah, that's because true. in this in his case he knew that this song was gonna be big right for some because yeah he also i guess you know it's experience for him because he's doing it for a long long time he knew this apparently he's he uh recorded that song in 20 minutes it just was something like a divine intervention or something like that you know <laughs> nice yeah and uh, 20 minutes when he knew it's gonna be big and so when you combine something that you know is good with a trick like that and already get some 
attention for it before it drops, then that is always that's that is definitely a you know a great thing if you want to, want it to get traction somehow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I guess like you can just have a pool of good names lying around because it doesn't <laughs> need to make sense. So yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Uh, that's yeah. And actually, actually, um, when you think about it, there is a lot of software that that ha that has, you know, weird names. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> if I wrote a song, it would probably just be called "Song." <laughs> because it would like be the only song you ever you would yeah, ever write. Yeah, like, and it, that's what it is. It's a song. Yeah. And, and then you can make a rock song. You would call you would call that a rock dash song. I guess. <laughs> uh, hey, like, you should you should you should call one of the uh, one of the upcoming modules rock dash song. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I might steal that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it should have nothing to do with music. Yeah, yeah, it's like the same idea, right? It's yeah, like, exactly. You can probably get like the the music crowd excited about it, kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then they're going to be all disappointed because it's yeah, it that doesn't matter. They're, they're still downloaded. <laughs> like you still get the the hits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, um, so where can the where can the the listeners find you online? Uh, so they can find me on uh, GitHub and Twitter and IRC. Uh, I'm uh, I go by Maffintosh, M-A-F-I-N-T-O-S-H, uh, on GitHub and Twitter, and on Freenode, I'm also Maffintosh. And like, just hit me up with some questions, or if you want to meet up or something, it's cool. Cool. I'm friendly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm. I'm sure they they know that by now if they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I wanna I wanna thank everybody for listening. Um, you can find all the show notes for this episode on descriptive.audio/episodes/seven. If you have any feedback or guest requests, hit me up on Twitter at descriptivepod or use the feedback form on the website. Uh, Matthias, thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure to have you. Yeah, it was a pleasure to be here. Thanks.